Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, we're talking about debt. Are you one of the fortunate ones without any of that bad stuff? Because you've got plenty of money, don't you? Now, how do we move our lives along and accomplish school, buying a house for our families, maybe paying for your kids' schooling without sinking the ship? We're talking about it right after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie announced a special election today to fill the Senate seat left vacant by late Democratic Senator Frank Lautenberg, who died yesterday of pneumonia. In the meantime, Christie plans to appoint a placeholder to the seat, but has not decided who so far. President Obama set the stage for a showdown with Senate Republicans with three nominations to the Washington Federal Appeals Court, which is generally regarded as the nation's second highest court. Objections to the nominations have already started. Accused Colorado theater shooter James Holmes entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity today. The change in plea was accepted by a Colorado judge. However, Holmes could still face the death penalty if he's convicted. As the court-martial for Bradley Manning continues, questions of his motivation continue to be the focal point of the trial. Prosecutors say Manning was arrogant when he handed over what turned out to be the largest leak of classified information in U.S. history. Last Friday's twister, which ripped through Oklahoma City, was the largest tornado ever recorded. National Weather Service officials say the storm reached 2.6 miles wide at one point, with wind speeds pushing up nearly 300 miles per hour. In world news, the Syrian civil war got significantly more complex today, with French officials saying samples of soil from the conflict test positive for sarin gas. And a United Nations report saying it's likely both sides have used chemical weapons during the continuing conflict. Turkey's deputy prime minister officially apologized today for excessive police violence at a peaceful protest last week, which has now sparked days of violent demonstrations. The gesture does not seem to have made much of an impact so far as demonstrations continued today. Flooding in eastern Europe continued with suburban areas of Prague being hit particularly hard. Now rains are moving towards Germany, where over 10,000 people have already been evacuated. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you some tools, a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. And today we're going to be taking on a very big issue, the big issue of debt. Have you ever known somebody that had debt? Hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm the guy. There's people that have debt all over. I mean, they have debt with their gym. I know I know a person that owes like $400 to the gym. That's ridiculous. He's like, I don't even go. So now you're in debt to the gym. Or we could be indebted to our divorce attorney. Or I know a guy that's indebted to a divorce attorney. Or we could be indebted to, um, I know a guy that couldn't get uh, his, he can't drive because he can't pay off his fees or his fines for his speeding. So he has that debt on top of it. So we call that the bad debt. Let's just call some of that the stupid debt that we just fall into. But then there's the good debt, like buying a bigger car for your family. You need a car 
And, you know, the kids need seat belts. So everyone's got to have a seat. So we better buy a bigger car. And if you buy a bigger car, you probably need a bigger garage because you're not going to take an old, a new car and put it in a, you know, just leave it out in the driveway. You're going to have to put it in a garage. So you may as well buy a house. That's the thinking I fell into when we had um, kids because I thought, you know, we had a nice, cute little house, just the cutest little house you could ever have. And then we had all these kids and we filled up the rooms in the house. And then we thought to ourselves, hey, we probably need a bigger house. And then we thought if you're going to get a bigger house, you probably want a house with a yard because your kids are going to want to play in the yard. Then you need mower, a lawnmower, (laughs) because we want grass. Then... We bought the house with the bigger yard and the bigger lawnmower and a car that could fit the bigger family. And, you know, then there's this neat little delay. Let's say, I don't know, three years. And then you're like, what the crud have I done? How did I get this big house? And I hate yards, quite honestly. Hate them. Hate, I hate weeds. The stuff that grows on it, you can't eat it. You shouldn't eat it. That's right. Somebody said, hey, uh, what's the line from Arrested Development? In the house, when they bought the house that's too big. Oh, well, you know, just so you have it. Just so you have it. I mean, if we're buying a house, just so you have it. Like, I didn't want a garden, but just so we have it. You know, just... So now I have a garden in my yard, and just so I have it, now it's full of weeds. <laughs> it's your weed patch. It's my, it's, uh, yeah, it's my weed fest. <sighs> but just so I have it. Just, just you know so I mean? you have it. I didn't need... I didn't need, I don't know, as many bedrooms, but just, you know, just so you have it. I think a lot of people fall into the debt trap where they think they need it or just so they have it because you can't get a, the the interest rates will never go lower. Never. Never, ever on earth will they ever go lower. So it's just, it's cheap money. Just, (laughs) it's just cheap debt. This expenditure will be... Not an expenditure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm not following that. Well, yeah. Uh, my daughter got married, uh, and she needed a lot of things that she thought she needed. We needed a candy bar. That sounds weird, but a candy bar, a bar full of candy where you can make your own candy. Like, what's it called? You you could you could get lemon drops, or you could get gum, bubble gum. Isn't that what the drugstore is? Yeah. Yeah, but we wanted our own at our <laughs> wedding. You don't want yeah. to leave. Oh, okay, okay. And we just had jars of candy. And then you, you get like, a bag. Like she took one home. Like yeah. this is her personal. No, no, it was for everyone. Okay. Yeah. It was like an, it was like a piece of the wedding uh-huh. for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. Okay, different context. And then everybody gets a baggie with you know custom-made stickers that have her name on it. And then you go and you just pick any variety of candy you want at the candy bar, air quotes, and um, boom, you make a person happy because they leave with a bag with candy and your name on it. They know who to thank. What's wrong with that? Well, let me tell you. A, it costs a lot of money. B, um, we didn't take all the candy because we weren't very organized. But we had filled up the jars and then the jars kind of emptied really fast during the reception. Um, so we have, I don't know, a huge box of bubblegum now that I think cost us $12,000. Matt, I know you were busy that night. I know I was very that busy. was you had a lot of stuff to take care swamped. of. I was. But you do have my phone number. So if, there's, if there's ever a point where, man, I've got candy. all this food or this candy, yeah. I just don't know where to put it. Well, and now I might, I should just bring it in. I got a huge <laughs> box of 
candy. And it's it's silver. It's a silver bubblegum drop. I don't even call those. Bubblegum ball. Yeah. So they call them? But it's silver. I mean, nobody eats silver bubblegum balls. You want the colored variety. Right. I'm, I'm not into not eating me. heavy balls. I got $12,000 worth of But, you know, <laughs> hey. It, the wedding's it. over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the bills are still coming. Well, so it's almost over. Yeah. It's getting there. But it's funny because we have this, this the weird idea of what we need. And so on our show today, we're going to talk about blowing up this myth a little bit about what you need. And some of this, I have a feeling, is generational. It is. Is it, Mary? Yeah. There, there's a lot of statistics showing that. Um, the millennials, my generation, Gen okay, let's, y, let's get these generation straight. me. So there's the baby boomers. Um, you've all heard of them. They're just now going to start taking it out on all of us um, in a loving way. Uh, baby boomers, next generation down is the X-Geners, which is probably about me. I'm about 44 down to 30-something is the G- X-Geners. Where's Y-Gen? 18 to 30. 18 to 30-year-olds are Y-Gens, or also mil- called millennials. millennials. Yeah. Okay. And there, there's just all these statistics showing that they just don't know as much about money. They, these little Y Geners, yeah. the 18 to 30s, don't, huh? Yeah, they don't think about it as, as seriously. They view their financial situation much more positively than they probably should. Like for they how don't much know how bad it is. <laughs> they uh, wait till they price out gumballs. Yeah. Their financial literacy has gone way down. Yeah. Um. When, one interesting thing is they don't view being like financially stable as kind of an emotionally positive thing. It's not like a it's big just, deal. You know, it's part of life. Like they everyone really carries care. a burden of yeah. debt. Yeah. Those those in Gen X, it's shown that they you know they feel kind of like this moral goodness when they get out of debt. And really? Like great. Yeah. But those millennials, they don't really care. <laughs> so, but so we kind of get a bad rap. Well, that's millennials. Sad. A lot of the time. We're going to ask Scott, we're not, Scott Marsh about We're not that. as dumb as we look. But we're okay? not. Yeah, we're not. Maybe you're on to something that none of us know. <laughs> yeah, really, though. Money's just not driving you. No. Good or bad. But the interesting thing is, is that maybe the whole problem comes from the fact that we're not adults yet. Even though we might have been the same age as adults. you were when you guys were adults. Now, hold on. Now, an 18-year-old seems like an adult. Technically, legally, yeah, an adult. I mean, you can vote. You can drink, can't you? Uh, well, no. whatever, 21. But, you, I mean, in that range. You, you can vote. <laughs> you can join them. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> you can drink. Oh, no. Oh, whatever. Oh, it's just, you know. Yeah. 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 Close, close enough. Whatever. Well, you're, I mean, 21. It, it, the range. The you millennial can, range. You can join the military at You can join 18. the military. You can fight for your country. Um, you can drive at 16. But you're not an adult. No. What? You can't even rent a car until you're 25. Hold on. Do I the mean... millennials know that they haven't reached adulthood yet? Okay, but that's the thing is that in the past, we thought that we had reached at, at that yeah. age. Once you hit kind of 18, you were kind of into the realm of adulthood. I mean, there's people with families at 18. Yeah. And so sociologists define adulthood um, by having reached certain milestones, okay. which would be completing school, leaving home, becoming financially independent, marrying, and having a kid. Whoa. Well, there's a lot of people that aren't there. <laughs> exactly. So it's been this kind of switch. And I was reading this article and we we're trying to figure out why that is. is yeah. that, you know, even 50 years ago, by the time you hit 25, you probably would have hit all yeah. of those milestones bing, bing, easily. Bing. Yeah. But now nobody hits those milestones by 25. There's so few people who do that. We've got, we got Ben who just, he's yeah. 26, 26. Ben's 26. He just finished. Just finished school, going to get a master's. He's going to get his master's. He's but, not married. He doesn't have a kid. No. I'm not. I haven't even graduated college yet. You guys. I'm almost 25. Rob is pushing 28. 
Pushing. Um, <laughs> pushing. Is that, that's not a good way. You're talking about pushing 28. I am 28. He is 28. He is he's 28. He's done there pushed it over. He's, he's got his degree, but he also is not married. He does not have a kid. So, Interesting. So by we're, that, we're, just, we're all kids over not, here. We're, getting, we're yeah. all getting close to 30, and we aren't adults yet. That's so, my problem. Yeah. I'm hanging out with people that aren't mature enough for me. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. Except for is Skyboy. That in, in 1904, there was kind of this whole discovery of teenagehood. I guess you would say. Teendom. But they discovered that there was there was more than just being a child and being an adult. There was kind of this transitional stage okay. called adolescence in which, you know. We, we, yeah, yeah. We progress. But we grow. But now they've kind of discovered – certain psychologists are putting forth the idea that there is a new developmental stage called emerging adulthood. And that's basically what happens Whoa. between like about 17, 25, even up to 30 in which you're not really an adult but you're also not – a teenager. Well, I might be an adult by now, but it's funny. We always thought adult was an age. Yeah. But you're saying the sociologists are saying adulthood is this passing through these phases of education, kind of reaching a point where you want to be in a relationship, having a family, and yeah. probably a mortgage. Yeah. So the deal is though is that so these twenty you know twenty somethings are. We're all kind of trying to figure out who we are. It's, they call it the, kind of the sense of possibilities. You have a sense of what could possibly happen in your yeah. life. But you haven't really lived long enough to experience a lot of the things that do happen in life. Like having annoying kids yeah. or bad jobs. I mean, we, we kind of experience that, but jobs. we just... <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> yeah. But we just kind of dismiss it because we have the rest of our life ahead of us. But see, for years, we were doing this at a younger age. Yeah. We were dying earlier. We were so we would experience these things. We get people married at eighteen. Yeah, but We'd that just doesn't happen war, anymore. Yeah. Since we live longer, the ratio of the time we have to grow up has made it so, so that we have like, longer to grow. Okay, that's up. so. When people now, used to live to be sixty, they get married at twenty, a third of the way through their life, and now people live to be what seventy five, ninety. Do so they ninety? I don't know. Yeah. So you get married at thirty. Maybe that's it. Yeah. So the interesting thing, though, is that now science is backing this up and saying that this is okay. Wow. It's okay that we're a little immature compared uh, to the generation ahead of us. Thank you, science. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, science. We owe you so very much. Right? Thank you for <laughs> everything this. you do for me. Now, this is, I hear this is the only article that they've ever backed this up. Oh, oh really? I'm not sure. <laughs> but isn't that it? Okay. So in a way, so all the millennials, you Y-Geners are like, whew. Yeah. We're not a bunch of misfits. No, we're just, this is just slowly this what's is emerging what is supposed to happen. We're an emerging adult. Yeah. So new with brain scan technology, we can chart the growth and activity of the brain much better than we were yeah. a while ago. And scientists have found they did this study and a lot of people have heard this that your brain doesn't really reach maturity until twenty five. Yeah, I've heard that. But they've also discovered that it's more like until at least twenty five. Whoa. Meaning that more often than not, your brain probably continues to mature after 25. That Unless they played video games, then it <laughs> matures much later. Right, Bryce? I don't know about that. Because um, <laughs> you love video games. That's interesting. So it's actually kind of at a minimum, you're going to hit at maturity at 25. 25. And they haven't actually done studies with this because they assumed you know, your brain would stop growing at that point. But all of the evidence leads to suggest that your brain keeps maturing after that even. Maturing or growing? Maturing and growing and what? changing and shifting and everything else well past 30. That's what fascinating. most scientists are hypothesizing. So, and the reason that this hasn't kind of come to light earlier was because, as we were saying earlier, 
we weren't forced into adulthood. Yeah. Until... Because we live in a more prosperous age. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened is that... So I'm going to find how they... Well, this could be bad because the more prosperous we become, we may not have adults till they're 50 someday. Yeah. What a mess that is. The trend continues. What, what's <laughs> happened is that our social maturation is now just better in sync with how fast our brain matures. Wow. Yeah. So it's not really but a problem. See, the marketers are still marketing you like you're an X gen, but you may be a Y gen. So you may have like the maturity of the millennial, but the marketing system that's still selling you a credit card that you need, hey, you need a credit card. You got to get on this. Yeah. But that's interesting. But I'm not saving my money. If I'm a Y gen and I don't have kids, I'm not saving my money for my house. I'm probably spending my credit card. So I might even be getting in <laughs> probably debt. Probably so. Instead of getting in debt for my family or my car or my house. Because this time is instead to find out oh, more about yourself. You're finding to yourself. You're traveling more. to Europe. Yeah. So there are, you don't have that responsibility to tie you down because you're trying to find out kind of how you fit in in the world. And Was what this research done by a, a millennial? No, I believe okay. it was done. Because let's just keep that straight. <laughs> <laughs> Conflict but, of interest. But this is actually fascinating because it does, I mean, they are dating younger or later. They're marrying later. Having kids later. Having kids later. Even fewer kids. I guess maybe because that's later. Um, it's just, everything seems slower. Well, and, and too, Bryce is going to cover this, but we just, we're not even becoming financially independent as soon Yeah, because kind of with the recession and everything else going on, our ideas of how we need to go to college and how we have to have certain things kind of lead to us not being able to be financially independent as early as we were. See how fast, see you, because you dug deep, look what you found. I, I did find. Plus, you have things. an out because you're a young millennial. You have an out. I totally do. Because... I don't have to be mature for quite a while. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Congratulations. Woo-hoo. You Hi. know, it's funny because the, the rest of, like, I'm looking at a baby boomer thinking, they must be looking at you guys like, grow up, you punk. Grow up. We Get are... a life. Get a mortgage. We're, we're just late we're bloomers. We're give, me, give me a minute. You need a war. Like... What you guys need is a war. <laughs> You need a war <laughs> and a plague and a pl- you need a you need an infestation. If uh, isn't that interesting? I just need to Sounds get off. into a nice starter home, a nice three hundred thousand dollar one uh, bedroom half that is a starter war, home for three thousand a month. You know what? Come move in with me, you guys. Okay, I got plenty Sweet. of room. Yeah, I good. just need someone to weed my garden and start mowing. I call dibs. I'll take that. <laughs> you like the garden? No, but weeding's easy. So. Isn't it interesting? That is fascinating. Okay. So if you're out there in debt land and you're listening to this program, A, you might be a millennial, but everyone's in debt. It's just, it's kind of like we jumped into the X generation. I jumped in it because that's what you did. So what my parents did. Baby boomers, you get a debt. It's the good mortgage. Mortgage is good debt. School, good debt. It's interesting. Even our school debt isn't even paying off for the millennials, is it? It's, it's starting uh, to be questionable. We're not... All the way there, but it seems yeah. like we're getting to the point Hard where... Hard to pay that hundred grand off uh, when you're working at Starbucks, you know? Yeah. yeah. You get some good beverage, I guess. Um, in the end, we're talking debt today. We need help uh, trying to figure out how to not get brought into, how to not get caught up in this debt culture. We're going to be talking to expert uh, BYU uh, professor and um, financial planner extraordinaire Scott Marsh is going to be joining us. We'll take a break. Come right back to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Is that a real Rembrandt or a convincing fake? Can you tell legitimate alloys from imitations? A NASA scanner can tell you. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. It seems like counterfeit products and imitations are everywhere these days. They look real, but don't perform as advertised. If we're talking about dress watches, running shoes, and the like, well, it's not the end of the world if you get fooled once in a while. But what if you're talking about aviation-grade metal alloys for aircraft parts and fasteners? Or what if you're an art museum about to buy a million-dollar Rembrandt? How can you tell a critical item is legitimate without destroying it in the process of a complicated lab analysis? Now there's a way to detect fakes of many kinds instantly with a handheld device that looks like a Star Trek ray gun. The Tracer X-ray Fluorescent Scanner, jointly developed by NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center and a company called Bruker AXS. Bombarding the sample with a powerful light, the tracer picks up reflected weak X-ray patterns coming back, which can be matched against the patterns of the real thing to unmask the forgeries literally in a flash. Tracer can reveal fakes or contaminants from museums to machine rooms to even kitchens. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. In our world of ever-changing media, it can be hard to know what's good to watch. Kids are going to see tough things, but it's easier if their parents either prep them or talk to them afterwards. That's really what media literacy is all about. Stay up to date with Parent Previews every Wednesday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on The Morning Show. Very touching. I don't think that movie would make a million dollars if it released in theaters today. (laughs) On Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Ah, good times to be with these good people here. Sure, they're millennials. Sure, they're a little immature, I guess. But not because of age. Just because of your experiential levels in life. Right, Skyboy? I was just thinking... You keep rolling your eyes. Well, that joke you told us over break, you were the one that brought that up, not us. Which? And you call us immature, so... No, but that was a good joke. That was a good joke. It was a great joke. It's a bad joke joke. when when people have to write it down and explain it. It's a bad (laughs) joke. Hey, we're talking about uh, debt. Now, I know it's hard to imagine, but there are people out there that have a lot of debt. Still? Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it, it, it's all ranges, right? Everybody can be in debt. That's, the, I guess, the neat thing. Is it's, it's an equal opportunity, equal opportunity problem. Opportunity problem. Hey, it's like an echo. So, Bryce, you've got an opinion about this. I'm sure you'd just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day. He was in a sour mood because his dad sat down with him to talk about something. It was the, you should move on with your life lecture. But from what I could gather, things were not well received. The gist of it was, you should get a real job, your own insurance. You should buy a house, get a car instead of just a bike. Maybe start dating girls and find someone to spend your life with, just to move forward with his life. Now, this isn't a new conversation, but let me repaint this stereotypical picture for you. My friend's dad isn't Captain Business Executive White Collar Man. 
My friend isn't a bum kid either. He dresses well, he gets his hair cut, he has his own apartment, he has a degree, he has a job. He wasn't frustrated by the lecture because his dad was trying to interrupt his cushy lifestyle. He was frustrated because his dad was clueless. So let me take a moment to fill you in. His dad never went to college. His dad just found a job after high school. Then once he wanted to get his own place, he just showed up to the bank and got a $25,000 loan. A little while later, he wanted a car, so he showed up to the bank and got a $3,000 loan for that. Things just kind of went forward like that from there. But for his kid, myself, and the rest of the millennials, we exist in this weird sort of gap. From the 50s to about 2005, the financial aspects of our lives adhered to a simple formula and fit a specific niche. Low quality, low price, this worked for those just getting their life started. At the end, there was high quality for a high price. In the middle, there was this place where you could get creative. You made above minimum wage and you had a lot of career ahead of you, so you could find a place that was, let's say, big enough for what you wanted, but maybe it had a dishwasher that sounded like a train. You know, little give and take. Yeah, that middle ground, that's gone. Between robots and China, there are no mid-level blue-collar jobs. Those jobs that were there to tide you over while you finished your degree or applied for another job. You have two options now. Work minimum wage with a bunch of high school kids, or you could do indentured servitude, I mean intern, with someone. Because everyone wants us to work for free in the name of getting experience. Which is fine to do once, but fool me more than once, shame on you. Fool me more than twice, shame on me. I got bills to pay. So let's get back to that little conversation between my friend and his dad. It's a square peg in a hole that is now round. There was a situation with a solution. There is now a new situation, but my generation keeps being told to use the old solution. So here's my point. The old solution was work, get into debt for the things you want, and then over the course of 15 to 30 years, things will take care of themselves. First off, your old paradigm doesn't work anymore. Secondly, your old-fashioned paradigm broke the system, so we can't even cheat like that anymore. So what do we do? Because I'm getting mixed signals here. Do we bury ourselves in debt? From what I can tell, debt is bad. Some debt can be useful, but it's like rust on a car. If you don't get rid of it, it will ruin everything. And too much debt is the reason for the recession, so I'm just not sold on debt. Much like a coyote, I'm pretty sure I could handle it, but yeah, I'd just rather not. So here we sit in a middle ground that no longer exists. We are the gap, being told to solve a problem by doing the very thing that created the problem. So can you comprehend the frustration? Signed, non-threateningly, the angry millennials who will be deciding the quality of healthcare you receive in your twilight years. Just saying. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. I'm glad you signed that one. I just want to make sure they know who it's coming from. The angry millennial. <laughs> uh, so you're blaming the older generation. Um, no, hold on. For, for throwing us into chaos. Well, yes. And sucking the life out of your future. A little bit, a little oh, bit. like it's my fault. Well, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even have a future. I didn't have a future, so I couldn't affect things. I was just going to school. You know, it's the baby boomers. It's just, there's so, there's so many of them, it's so easy I to blame. offended half the country, adults. Um, seriously, though, it's, it's a quandary. We're not going to be able to solve the problem at the same level of thinking we were at when we created it. It's kind of like we should move forward and do something different. Now, it's problematic that I say that because I don't really have a bright idea as what to do. But, well, but gold. <laughs> Buy gold. Buy gold. Please don't. We just see it's interesting, like when debt's real, but then I hear people saying, well, what's your FICO score? Because you, you need to get some debt to get your FICO score up. And I'm thinking, well, maybe that's the problem. It's uh, like maybe then what we're saying is, I guess. We, I, need, I don't know. So that's what we're going to have to ask Scott Marsh, because it seems like to me we just keep digging ourselves in a bigger hole. 
um, especially if we're finding out that an entire generation isn't mature as we thought they were. Which, I mean, you could have just asked us. We probably would have been. Probably would have said, like, no, we're not. But like, I wasn't been, mature until you get into it. Then all of a sudden you got to start, like, learning how to do this. Like, I feel like I I've been, that. like, faking it for the past six years. Like, have you? I feel like it. Like, people are like, you're an adult. What's that like? Ah, uh, I'm just really tall for my age. It's... um. It's a great it's a great question. So we're going to have we're going to be bringing on Scott Marsh, professor here at Brigham Young University, author of some great books about finance and money, more money than you'll ever need and the wealth of great health. And uh, he's going to we're going to let him teach us, teach us about how to not get caught up in this uh, paradigm of debt. This is the Matt Townsend show. We'll be back right after this right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Could we all be so lucky as to have an important day today, something really important happen? I like to think that every day has that opportunity for us. And the best way to start your important day is by joining Marcus Smith for some uplifting conversation on The Morning Show. Tune in daily at 9 a.m. Eastern, only here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A special election will be held to fill a now vacant Senate seat from New Jersey after Democratic Senator Frank Lautenberg passed away yesterday from pneumonia. Governor Chris Christie will fill the seat with a placeholder until the election is finished. President Obama nominated three people to fill vacant seats in the Washington Federal Appeals Court today, setting the stage for a showdown with Senate Republicans who are already raising objections. The president says the Senate should set politics aside and hold a confirmation vote swiftly. Accused Colorado theater shooter James Holmes entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity today. The change in plea was accepted by a Colorado judge. However, Holmes could still face the death penalty if he's convicted. As the court-martial for Bradley Manning continues, questions of his motivation continue to be the focal point of the trial. Prosecutors say Manning was arrogant when he handed over what turned out to be the largest leak of classified information in U.S. history. Last Friday's twister, which ripped through Oklahoma City, was the largest tornado ever recorded. National Weather Service officials say the storm reached 2.6 miles wide at one point, with wind speeds pushing up to nearly 300 miles per hour. In world news, the Syrian civil war got significantly more complex today, with French officials saying samples of soil from the conflict test positive for sarin gas. And a United Nations report saying it is likely both sides have used chemical weapons during the continuing conflict. U.S. forces are deploying Patriot missiles and F-16 fighters to Syria's neighbor Jordan this month, a move which has drawn swift condemnation from Russian leaders who recently shipped powerful anti-aircraft missiles to the Syrian regime. Turkey's deputy prime minister officially apologized today for excessive police violence at a peaceful protest last week, which has now sparked days of violent demonstrations. The gesture does not seem to have made much of an impact so far as demonstrations continued today. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
Uh, so excited about our topic today. We are talking about debt and the debt culture. It really is so easy in today's day and age to just get you know sucked right into this idea that you got to carry debt. It's the only way to get ahead in life. You know what? Whatever happened to the old days when you could just bring a loaf of bread and some eggs? I guess they don't do that anymore. Um, Today, we are talking with Scott Marsh. Now, Scott Marsh is a faculty member at BYU Marriott School of Management. He's the owner of Scott Marsh Education Institute and Scott Marsh Financial. If you want information about money, you got to go check out scottmarsh.com because that, I mean, there's tons of uh, courses, information calculators, just a lot of great stuff there to help you through this. But Scott has an MBA. He has his MSFS in taxation, investments, and economics, which sounds like a lot. He he also has taught courses for financial service providers for over 30 years. He's authored three textbooks in financial services and is currently writing two other books, More Money Than You Will Ever Need and The Wealth of Great Health. He is married to the former Mary Bunker, and they have five sons. So, Scott, welcome. Glad to be here. Good to have you here, man. I mean, really, what is the deal? Debt. It's just, is it, is it the necessary evil? Well, the way that I've heard so far what's talked about on the program, you talked about it being a, an issue of there's a difference between the millennials and the, and yeah. the, and the baby boomers and the way they did it. The sad thing is, is that the baby boomers didn't do it any better than the millennials are doing it. It didn't do them what we perceived that it would do. Yeah, we think debt's – but we, most of us don't have a clue what we're doing with debt. I mean, if you knew what debt was – Really? Oh, actually, the baby boomers are doing the exact same yeah. thing. Today, in our research, shows that three, it's a 300% increase in the number of people that are 60 years and older that are carrying debt into their retirement. Uh. They're actually taking out more debt. And we think that somehow they've done it, quote, the right way. Right. See, at least that's right. the way I've right. heard on your program, yeah. that they're doing it the right way. Yeah. You know, the average 50-year-old in America today has saved $2,500. There's not many people that are really truly ready for any kind of a significant retirement. So it doesn't retirement. matter so, your generation. It Everyone's so behind. Could we just kind of eliminate yeah. the possibility? That's kind of a generational yeah. thing. And then people always ask me, well, then who do you go to? And I, I say, well, as we do our research, we find that financial advisors actually are managing their yeah. financial affairs worse than, they are, than the clients that they're, yeah. that they're handling. Their debts are too large. You go to schools. You guys have talked about education. Yeah. The Cleveland Federal Reserve Bank did a research project to find out, does early financial education work? And their results were there was no evidence whatsoever that early financial education really? worked. So it doesn't do any good to teach you about it. Do you go to government officials? Well, government officials will say they're right. trying to help people to get, pay down their debts, but then as soon as there's a recession, they'll encourage people to go take out more debt and buy more things so they can stimulate the economy. Back in the George Bush administration, <laughs> they, did. they actually true? came right out and told right. people, you will be patriotic if you go out and borrow more money and yeah. buy more it things. It used to so, be bonds. Buy bonds. Yeah. But now it's like, go invest more debt. Go get yeah, more debt. Get more debt so that you can buy more things. Uh, and so the best wrong. of our knowledge, I really don't know. Anything other than people accepting it as a personal challenge, a personal quest, you have to understand that I don't know where the source is to help you really do financial. Does the bank – it used to be that you walk into the bank and say, I'd like to take out a loan. And the bank would put his arm around you and say, you know, I've been looking at your financials and I don't think it's a good idea. Nowadays, it's just the exact opposite. They literally make more and more money because of what they've loaned to people. In fact, the major cause of the Great Recession – was the way bankers had just lost all right. standards as it related to. So you who can, do you go to? Yeah, you can fit in this house. You, so in fact, no, get more money. Yeah, so it doesn't make it matter how old you are. That's right. It doesn't matter. So, I fortunately we can kind of cut it all, cut all that stuff back. Yeah. Get right back to one simple thing. 
somehow people have to get to a point where they say, I've got to use the same tools for working through this that banks use to get me into it. Interesting. Banks use long-term projections. They know that if they can keep get you in debt, they can keep you into debt for yeah. a long time. I've always told people if you take out a normal charge card, you take a normal charge card balance and you say, I'm just going to pay what the bank tells me to pay. So I'm just doing exactly what I'm told to do. So I make the minimum payment. And then once a year, they send me a little thing at Christmas time and say, okay, don't make a payment. It's our gift to you. Hey, or there you, you know, yeah. Whatever. So you do – every year, you do exactly what you're told to do. First of all, before that letter comes, I'll tell you, it takes about 43 years to pay off all those debts. Oh, my Then goodness. once you skip one payment a year for that 43-year period, it only doubles the length of time that you're in debt. And so people are just extra- – I mean, these banks are extraordinarily good yeah. and l- lenders at keeping you in debt. Now, could you turn that around and say, let me see. If I found some way to reverse that and say, what if I could make a decision right now, a really smart decision? And when I make that smart decision, even if I only save $10 a month, I mean, Mm -hmm. I laughed when you were going through those statistics about your daughter getting her, you know, having her wedding. I'll give you you the the acid test of that. I've I've got a number of guys that have done this. They looked at their kids. They added up what they thought the wedding was going to cost. And they said, look, you got a choice. We'll run a wedding for you. We'll buy all those things that you want. Or we'll give you a twenty thousand dollar check. Now that's not always it. It was not right. always a twenty thousand right. dollar check. That's what we did, I mean, actually. Yeah, it's just like, we'll, or we'll give you a twenty thousand dollar check. Yeah, we found that almost eighty percent of all the kids that have that proposed to them, yeah, end up. Yeah, <laughs> I think we'll take the check. No, totally. There's your answer. No, we did. We gave her you a check. You skipped the bubble gum. Yeah, but we gave her a check. But she still she took the check. We actually didn't say instead of a reception. We said we'll give you a check. Here's what you're getting. Do whatever you want with it. We kind of, if, if anything, do an easy reception so we can at least say hi to our friends. Yeah. And she pretty much spent the whole thing. Yeah, that's what, what you know, the only thing there is whenever you've given them that opportunity, I've always asked the fathers yeah. as I go through wedding lights, how's the MasterCard? And they said, you know, we had, we were on a budget, we were on target, we were focused. And then about three days before the reception, <laughs> it everything just falls completely apart. blew apart. Yeah. So They call that the yard sale. <laughs> then everything just falls out on the yard. That's exactly right. It's so, so true. Yeah. So it's... Um, because we think, you mean, here's what I hear as a businessman all the time, and I say it all the time. It takes money to make money. So does it take debt to create prosperity? Well, there's a lot of companies that go completely without debt today. Yeah. See, people always think that somehow because it's a business, then you have to have debt yeah. in order to do it. There's a lot of churches that go without debt. Sadly, now that's another one that I can add to the list of, you know, can you go to church and have them teach you at church how to be smarter with your money? You'd think, we huh? find actually in faith-based societies that the level of debt is higher than it is in the average society. And I think it's a little bit because we all get together on one day of the yeah. week to find out how everyone else is that's doing. Right. That's and right. Although you don't think you're impacted by that, you really are. Yeah. I'll tell you this, right here in Utah County, 95% of the people that live in this county identify themselves as members of one church. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, the worst loan that you can possibly take out today is payday lending. Oh, How's is payday lending doing this doing in, in the Utah County right rocking. now? We actually per capita have more payday loan outlets in Utah County than we have in the rest of the country. Isn't that crazy? How does that happen? You know, so yeah. I, so even though you think that somehow at church you're going to figure out the same thing too, it's just kind of, so it's it, I don't it, believe that it's no. necessary to ha- No, and and sometimes it can, and, and we always know that there are some things that you're probably not going to save up for your first home and have enough cash to go out and right. spend $250,000, right. which is the average home along the Wasatch Front today. 
you're probably, not most people, I don't mean to set a standard on it, but yeah. you're probably not going to buy your first car unless no. you buy something, yeah. you, know, bar, you know, save up enough money to get the first car. Sadly, with one of the things that we've done for so long, it was so acceptable to take out student loans. Yeah. We just said, well, that's an exception. As long as you're taking out yeah. a student loan. Sadly, the average student loan, the average student coming what out of college has debt? $33,000. Now, $33,000, when you first hear it, it's just a number. But I want to just introduce you to the people that are actually paying off those debts right now. Yeah. Now the, 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 the education's all done. Yeah. I didn't really get the job I wanted to. I got three more kids now than I thought I was going to. And literally, I'm not being able to buy the house that I wanted to buy because I'm paying off those student loans. Let me just tell you how desperately frustrating that is. Oh, we that's have to, amazing. Actually, that's, many have projected that to be the next major financial explosion. And that is student debt. Student debt right now is more. If you added up all the consumer debt that we have in the country today, so we talk about consumer debt. You add all that up, student loans actually exceed the consumer debt in the country today. And it's just – and it's skyrocketing. Sadly, I, and I've seen a lot of schools, and it's not just the Brigham Young University, but others that will sit a student down before they start school and teach them how to do that. Mm. You teach them how to go through the schooling yeah. process without taking out student right. – well, at least minimizing the amount yeah. of student debt. But boy, there's a lot of kids that just feel like, yeah, but as soon as I get through a school, I'll mm-hmm. have so much yeah. money, then it will Then be the money will just pour in. So. And it doesn't just pour in, does it? Even, <laughs> even student loans are – and I'll – so can I tell you one thing? Yeah. Because you guys were talking about millennials. Yeah. There's some research to suggest this, that there is a trend. We don't think – albeit a, a great trend yet, there's a trend where a lot of millennials are starting to ask themselves the question – is it really worth it to have the big, expansive oh, yeah. home in the suburbs, commute back and forth to work for 45 minutes a day or something like that, have the big car, that kind of thing? There's a lot of places that we've identified that, that they're starting to say, That's let's live, live close to where you work, live close to where you shop. Then you don't need a car. You, you don't church. need – yeah. It's much easier to get you – know, so they, they're willing to accept a smaller home. They're willing to accept a small – see, we learned a long time ago you don't have to drive a Hummer no. to be successful. Right, right. And so is it possible you don't have to, dr- to live in a Hummer home yeah. in order to be seen as successful? There could be actually a smart home that's yeah. just smaller but that possesses all those other things. And I, I just – I think that if indeed that trend could continue, there would be a lot smarter generation. So there's a right. chance that maybe some but of these millennials – the economy. Then who's going to support the banks? You know, I guess all the older people. This economy. The, <laughs> the Fed, X and the Y, Jen. The Federal Reserve Board is doing a pretty good job supporting the economy by printing $85 billion Isn't a it? month and dumping it into oh, the economy. So Now that's depressing. I, yeah, there's something about that. It that really is because it's even institutional. We've institutionalized debt. Like, so now it's, hey, everyone's doing it. Even yes. the government. And there's been no indication that debt is being paid down. There's been a lot of reports that somehow since the Great Recession, oh. you know, see, we, we thought that everybody would learn their lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, it would take a major financial reversal like the Great Recession, and we would steadily learn our lesson, and we'd start paying down our debts. And there was some indication yeah. that debt was going down. Then they did some more intense research and found Not that almost so 80%, almost 80% of all that reduction that they saw in consumer debt was banks that were just forgiving debt through repossessions and foreclosures and bank write-offs because people couldn't pay it back. So, so that it's was not, not real. That was not a conscious choice oh, on man. consumers' parts no. to be smart and do things wisely. And we've seen the trend since 2012. It's starting to go right back up again. It probably won't be more than about a couple of years. We'll be right back to the same absolute levels of consumer debt that we were prior to the Great Recession. So it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of – so when you say the debt culture – Seems like to me that there's a lot of indication that what this really comes back down to is a personal choice mm-hmm. where people start to look at this as something more than can I 
punish myself? Can I sacrifice? Can I, can I just give in to the whole? You know what? And I start to look at it as an opportunity to actually turn it into a great wealth accumulation tool. And I'll just give you a little indication. Yeah. When my wife and I first started this, we started back in 1991, and we set out a debt chart on the wall. Now, when you first hear that, you just go, oh, that sacrifice hard, beat yourself <laughs> flat, you know, just yeah. mash yourself every day. Now, think about this. What's the possibility that I could set a debt chart on the wall? There's some great ones. Don't pay anybody to help you get out of debt. There's all sorts of you know, ways irrational to ways to pay a lot of money. You don't need to do that. You just need to do a little accelerated debt reduction plan. That's what we did. The average consumer in America today would be completely out of debt within six to eight years if they'd work an accelerated debt reduction. And that includes the home mortgage. Wow. Now, if that doesn't start someone saying, no, wait a minute. That's, that's cool. A, that's an interesting possibility. And here's my question. Once that debt is paid off, is it possible to just stay in debt to yourself? The little thing that we've got on our website is called debt. You owe it to yourself. That's cool. And so, so wouldn't it be cool if we just kind of borrow just, it from yourself? Well, and then, your just, bank. and then just kept paying that payment to yourself. My wife and I started ours in November of 1991. We were scheduled for six years. My wife said I became obsessed with our accelerated debt reduction plan. <laughs> I say I only became financially enlightened by participating in something that I thought profound and significant with somebody cool, I eternally man. loved. And yeah. so I, so we, and instead of taking six years, it took us four years. Oh my heavens! And, and since, it works since 1995. All the money that we were giving to creditors, we have been investing every single month. Scott Marsh. We're talking with Scott Marsh from BYU Marriott School of Management, and he is teaching us about how to how debt is about personal choice, and you can change it. You can start making different choices to get out of debt. When we come back, we're going to be talking to him about uh, – I want to hear a little bit about the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Talking with Scott Marsh. Check out his website, www.scottmarsh.com. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. In the future, astronauts may turn trash into treasure aboard their spacecraft. We'll explain why. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Trash disposal has been a problem of spaceflight from the very beginning. Food wrappers, packing materials, where do you put it? The traditional answer for the space station has been to pack departing cargo modules with trash, letting it all incinerate as it re-enters the Earth's atmosphere. That keeps the station clean and roomy, but that waste represents a lot of money and energy spent getting it into orbit to start with. What if we could put that trash to some kind of productive use in space? It would turn from waste into a useful resource. That's the thinking behind the experiment between NASA's Kennedy and Ames Research Centers. They are looking for a method to crush and heat space trash to turn it into inert insulation materials. These could help protect astronauts from space radiation. The same process would also squeeze out valuable water from the trash for recycling on the station while disinfecting the waste. Tiles made of compacted, inert waste would be used to enhance radiation shielding on the space station or even a two-year Mars mission. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. What are we talking about on Through the Garage Door? Well, just about anything goes. Not Anything, anything goes, but pretty much anything. Anything that has to do with rock and roll and this good rock and roll and that we love and are passionate about, that's what we're talking about. Catch BYU Radio's look into rock and roll on Through the Garage Door. 
Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at 11 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. You indebted friends of mine. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about debt. And uh, we brought Scott Marsh here. Scott is on faculty at BYU Marriott School of Management. He's also the owner of the Scott Marsh Education Institute uh, and the Scott Marsh Financial. Go check those out. Go to scottmarsh.com. And because one of the keys, and I really want you to get into this eventually through the program, is the accelerated debt reduction. But Scott is going to, he's an MBA, he has an MSFS in taxation, investments, and economics. Um, he's also the author of a new book, a couple of new books that are coming out soon More Money Than You Will Ever Need and The Wealth of Great Health. So, Scott, here's the deal um, money needed, not evil, just a tool. Yet um, we seem to have it upside down in how we think about it, what, where we place value on it. It tends to kill our relationships a lot of times. It tends to kill our health. This, this chase for the dollar, it's killing us. I gave you a couple of things that I think are great suggestions. Number one, there's a book that's called The Millionaire Next Door. It's been out Love there for a long book, time. Yeah. been out there for a long time. And, and I just read an article just two days ago from the, from the Los Angeles Times that said, really, that book should be – a textbook for in high school yeah. and college classrooms. Guess what? For the last 10 years in our classroom here at BYU, we had no formal textbook. The only book that we required that they buy was The Millionaire Next Door. That's great. It's just great research. It's yeah. done by a couple of college professors of the Georgia State University. Yeah. They did some pretty legitimate stuff. I think it was objective. I think they really tried hard. There's not. I don't agree with every single thing in the book, and I think that some of their research could be perked up. But I've actually been in contact with the authors and they, of course, love to talk with me because they find out that I make all of my students yeah. buy the book. And yeah. we've got 350 students every semester, so, so they, they love, love that. You. But if you'll, just, if you'll just recognize that people that actually got good at accumulating resources, and I don't know, is the goal to be a millionaire as much as the goal is to have choice? Yeah. The goal is to have freedom, choice, huh? is to have freedom. It's just to, the, to do the things you ultimately want to do. And we found out that for the most part, that's going to require some kind of a significant accumulation of resources at some point in time. So let's go to the people that have actually done it. Yeah. Let's find out from them. What do they do with that? So when you say, is it really necessary? Is it important? Go to that book and read that book and find out what they said about right. that. You'll find out that they just unanimously said the exact same thing you've heard that all yeah. wise people say. You know, you've got to take out some debt to buy a house. You know, you're probably to get a car or something like that, but then you should take steps to pay it off as quickly as you can. And then don't let other people talk you into taking yeah. out debt. Smart a lot debt. of people now say, well, but the interest rates are so low huh. and, the, and the terms are so wonderful. I'll tell you what a millionaire says. But can you imagine paying $250 a month to someone else for something that I've already enjoyed the benefit of? Yeah. And so they literally just think about it in dollars and cents yeah. term. And all you've got to do is go there and find out that those individuals have unitedly said debt is not good. Debt is something that on a personal basis we should avoid whenever possible. We should just take the steps necessary to pay yeah. it off. But it can become something that's instead of a complete drudgery, something that's actually And they're not good. They're, they're not out driving – the incredibly nice cars. They're not the ones that are all blinged out. They live in a very average home. I mean, it's, it's it, the millionaire next door is, the, is not the flashiest house on the street. It's probably the smallest little rambler 
with the happiest well, two people that have a really happy that, walk that, every day. That, that, the title was brilliant. Yeah. Because it really does suggest it's you'd the guy know. that you'd never know. He's next door. He's, just, uh, he's right there in a home. It's yeah. a fairly average home. And they say this. If you see somebody driving down the street in a, in a nice foreign import car, there's an 80% chance he's a wannabe. Yeah. He's not. He's not real. I mean, they, yeah. they don't really think no. through that. They don't. Totally. So the car. I'm in love when the car commercials come on. And they say, "Yeah, but only for four hundred dollars a month, you could drive away in a Lexus or whatever." I don't mean it. Yeah. You know, it's not Lexus. It's the deal. It's just how much cars cost. They think they're only four hundred dollars yeah. a month. You got to go to the listen to the guy from Texas that raised cattle that got That's to be right. a millionaire, and he says four hundred bucks. You know how many. Steer, uh, how many heads of cattle I've got to sell to come it's up with four hundred dollars so a month? It's and so true. That's how they look at things. Yeah. And it's just in in a way, is it that we're not? I mean, like you were saying, if we would just put an accelerated debt reduction chart up somewhere, the reality is most people wouldn't have a clue where to get one of those, what to do with one. I mean, it it takes information, and it's almost like of all the information we have, we get the information about how much we could buy a car for. Yeah. And, I mean, it's funny. A lot of people go shopping not for what they're going to end up paying price-wise, but how much is my payment going to be? So if you go six years for a $400 payment, that's nuts. And even when they say, what's my payment going to be? Do you really think they sit down and do a budget and they say, can we afford that 250 right. bucks a month? What they really no. look at is, I really like that red convertible yeah. so much. Which, what do what the rims cost? And I think it will substantially <laughs> increase the probability that I'll get married. We've been talking to one of your yeah. assistants about the need to do that someday. Yeah. And so if, I, if, you know, if, I, if, it, if it's just nice, I just figure out a way to make that part of it. And I say, boy, I could use that exact same – now, remember, yeah. we're going to reverse that enthusiasm. We're going to say, could we use that exact same enthusiasm? If I could show you a way. There was a story. Yeah. Ben, ben Franklin's one of my favorites. And totally known for money management, right? Totally. And, and good planning and – Oh, he, he, he just – and Ben Franklin, let's just get this. At 16 years old, he sat down one day and in his journal he writes about this. He said, I, I thought, why do people make this money thing so hard? <laughs> Why, why is it so complicated? Why do so many people struggle with it? He said it's just a financial calculation. And all you got to do is set out a financial calculation, know exactly what you got to do, then follow through with the plan. And Ben Franklin said this. There's so many things I want to do in this life. I often tell people, start off with a list of things you want to do. Hmm. Like if money didn't matter, if money wasn't there, if it wasn't there. What would you do? What would you do? A lot of people would say, I don't know. And yeah. I say, well, figure it out because if there's a good chance, if you can – if you have something sufficiently compelling that you knew that you do – once you get out of debt and manage your money wisely, there's a much higher probability that you'll actually do something about it. Totally. But ben Franklin said this. He said, I want it by age 42. By age, that's what it, that's his goal. That was the number. He just sat it down. He figured out his numbers. He said, by age 42, I want to be free of debt. I want to be free of all the things that we might call survival expenses. I don't want to worry about what a mortgage payment is. I don't want to worry about having to come up. I want to have enough that I can – in our vernacular today, we'd say I want to be financially independent. yeah. yeah. And he set out to do it. Now, someone would say, but he wrote a book and he made a million bucks. Or he had a father that, that passed was, away. Now, yeah. It was absolutely not the case. The guy literally between ages 16 to 42 worked in print shops that he didn't even own. So he's literally working, he's for, just the, working for the wages for, for somebody else. But he wisely structured that thing so that by the age of 42, he's completely financially independent. And for the rest, every single thing that you've ever heard that he invented, every major accomplishment that he ever had yeah. came after the age of 42. Now, my question is this. Is Relief. there anything on your list, Matt Townsend? Yeah. I want to know what's on your list. Something yeah. that you do that literally – and I, you know, I'm, I'm delusional. My wife will tell you that's the one cure. <laughs> one thing she's working on hardest with me is just get me delusional. You're over all so the delusional. I've got lists and lists of things that I'd love that you'd to do. you want to go do. I, I want to do. That's, and, of course, that's what I'm 
on my list was coming to talk on the Matt Townsend. Oh show. my heavens, no, that's pitiful. You need a life, <laughs> Scott. Get a life. Yeah, brother. I'll tell you that bucket list was really loaded. <laughs> yeah, you've up. got a really empty bucket. <laughs> that's See, right. it's funny because I, I would just want. I would buy time with my family. Is what I'd buy. Like I would just buy because I love what I do. I love my job. I love everything I do. I want more time to write and more time to be with my family. Okay, I so- really don't want to travel. I don't want to. I love the fact Dance. that you expanded it from just being with the family. I like that. Being yeah. with family is good. Yeah. And right. I guarantee you, your wife only wants you for a few hours oh, a day. Oh, no, she for doesn't, sure. Oh, yeah, she doesn't want I you I don't even it. know if I want to be with my wife as much as my kids. Well, I don't see are. my kids as much as I see my wife. Everyone that knows your wife and knows you will empathize with her. She would totally. totally she'd be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we ought not do that. Yeah, so she's listening today. Can I tell her just how much we understand? Yeah, tell her, tell her like, we but understand. I'm glad you added to the fact you'd love to write. Yeah. Really write. Right, right. I mean, that's actually write a book. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's ever written a book knows just how tough it is. Oh, totally. How many hours it takes. Yeah. How much emotional energy is yeah. wrapped into it. Yeah. Now, I want you to get you right into the middle of that book. You're on chapter six. You're flying. You're, everything's good. And a creditor calls you one day and says, you're down two months on your car payment. If you hey, don't get yeah. that paid today, I'm going to come repossess that thing. Your entire mission disappears. What happens to your emotional energy, your creativity, your innovation, and your creativity? You no. just, you and then just, you start getting mad at everyone and... Why didn't you pay the bills? Why didn't you tell me you didn't pay the bills? And then all of a sudden, it impacts the relationship, your health. Sounds almost like it's too much, but it's life's an emotional energy source. Mm-hmm. And that energy source, you've got so much of it that can be created or yeah. generated. Yeah. And I'll guarantee you the one thing that will take away from it the most are obligations that we have to other people. If we could not only do this, I try to encourage my students to do this. You make sure that you have excellent structure for solving the financial challenge. But then in the middle of it, don't give up your ambition. Yeah. No, you Someone that keep wants that. to grow, that wants to write yeah. a book, that mm-hmm. wants to teach. I know you teach yeah, a I lot. Do. I know you do a lot of things that would be very – just like if you could do that on an ongoing basis without any consideration yeah. whatsoever about whether it makes money or not. Right. That doesn't mean you can't make no. money. Great, make money. It seems like we have to blow up the myth that um, – because everyone's like, yeah, well – I mean that's easy for you, Scott, because you're – they always – everyone assumes you have a different edge – like you were saying, Ben Franklin inherited money or his, his wife didn't need her nails done. Or, but in the end, it, it's still just about making choices, understanding what your choices are, and then making them. Well, and when you say wives need <clears throat> nails done or something like that, maybe Ben Franklin's wife didn't need her nails done. I'll just tell you, that's one of the greatest choices that you'll ever have is who you start with. That's I mean, true. Who huh? you partner up with. That's it doesn't true. matter how big. How, are you on the same page and it doesn't, same It doesn't values. matter how enthusiastic you come to this whole process if you don't share those goals equally and enthusiastically. So, so true. I would start. I, a great place for a lot of people to start is to see if somehow there could be a list of shared goals. Things that. So when you say you'd like to write and you'd like to spend more time with the family and you'd like to – boy, wouldn't it be great if you felt like your wife or your spouse yeah. had that same kind of a – enthusiasm yeah. so that when it came to because I'll guarantee you no matter how good you get at this there'll still be a day where you're going to disagree over what you spend oh, your money sure. on oh for sure my wife walked up to me today and we <laughs> today she said very today I can't get you to get me another car I'm going to go out and figure it out by myself and I'm just going to bring it home and and I said, she you know, I think Lexus. it's probably a good idea for you to do that because I think you're right. That's not on my high priority list Isn't to go out that, and that. She's she's buying a Lexus today, Scott. Not that, that Lexus you know, is a girl. It's a. It's just. Fortunately, I know my wife well enough yeah. that I. I doubt it'll be a Lexus. I don't think it'll be a 1991 no. Ford Explorer. I have a feeling it's going to be four hundred dollar a month payment. Is what I'm thinking. Well, let's see what we'll do. I'll report back and let yeah, you know how it come goes. Back on, we'll have you. But I will say that the more things that you can find that are similar in your relationship, it's yeah, 
And I'll get to you. There's a lot of ways to figure that out. We're going to come back. When we come back uh, with Scott, he's going to walk us through what he's found to be the most successful debt reduction kind of plan or approach. He's going to give us some principles to that. Again, go to scottmarsh.com. Stick with us. We'll be back right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Some people have dedicated their entire lives to a single topic. Anything from philosophy to sociology to the arts. Join us on Thinking Aloud as we condense the expertise of lifelong learners to a simple 30-minute dip into their perspective. You've never seen a thought pool this deep. Dive in with host Marcus Smith on Thinking Aloud. Wednesdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 11 Mountain, here on Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A special election will be held to fill a now vacant Senate seat for New Jersey after Democrat Frank Lautenberg passed away yesterday. Governor Chris Christie will fill the seat with a placeholder until the election is finished. President Obama nominated three people to fill vacant seats in the Washington Federal Appeals Court today. Republican senators are wasting no time accusing the president of trying to pack the court. But the president says politics should be put aside and a confirmation vote held soon. The tornado, which tore through Oklahoma City last Friday, taking the lives of 18, was the largest twister ever recorded. National Weather Service officials say the storm was 2.6 miles wide with wind speeds well into the highest category. Accused Colorado theater shooter James Holmes entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity today. The change in plea was accepted by a Colorado judge. However, Holmes could still face the death penalty if he is convicted. Close to 100 high school-aged kids were thrown off an air train flight from New York to Atlanta today after the pilots and crew lost patience with the rowdy bunch who refused to take their seats or turn off their cell phones. In world news, the Syrian civil war got significantly more complex today, with French officials saying samples of soil from the conflict test positive for sarin gas. And a United Nations report saying it is likely both sides have used chemical weapons during the continuing conflict. U.S. forces are deploying Patriot missiles and F-16 fighters to Syria's neighbor Jordan this month, a move which has drawn swift condemnation from Russian leaders who recently shipped powerful anti-aircraft missiles to the Syrian regime. Turkey's deputy prime minister officially apologized today for excessive police violence at a peaceful protest last week, which has now sparked several days of violence. The gesture does not seem to have made much of an impact so far as demonstrations continued today. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking with Scott Marsh about debt and the impact it has on our lives, how to basically frame it in a healthier way, um, maybe not buy into some of the arguments we're all getting from the people that can make money on you being in debt, but a, a great resource you need to go check out, www.scottmarsh.com, scottmarsh.com, and when you land on the site, it seems like, you know, whatever, no-brainer. 
huge resource. If you'll go check on it. So he's been teaching for years at Brigham Young University Marriott School of Management. He's the owner of the Scott Marsh Education Institute and Scott Marsh Financial. But on this website, you can go get tools, calculators, courses online. You can get information, books, just guides, recommendations, and it is rich. Just page after page after page of stuff. So when you land on it, start getting into and looking a little bit deeper because if you have a question about money, you know what? I have a feeling you're going to be able to find the answer on that website. So, Scott, welcome back, my friend. Nice to be here. Now, fill us in. Um, okay, you kept you brought up at the very beginning of the show the this um, debt reduction program or, or approach. What, okay, if you were going to just sit there and teach us a very simple approach and the principles to debt reduction, what would you tell us? Let me tell you a couple of things first, kind of as, a, as caveats, and that is don't let anybody charge you to help you get out of debt because yeah. there's, there's all sorts of programs. Man, there was one that ran around here for a long time that talked about Australian money lending and whatever. And, it was, and they, they charged people like $5,000 to come about the computer program. We debunked the whole thing. And it was the Australian government, the equivalent of the SEC, that said they can't say that anymore. Don't do they, that. They literally made it so it's what if, what if I have a guy in Nairobi <laughs> that has got a million dollars and he can't get it unless I send him 20000 I. You know, I, as soon as I say that in my classes, everybody busts out laughing. I hope all of your listening audience does the exact same thing. I mean, I know what it feels like to receive an email that says some this long could be lost. It. Yeah, yeah, it could be the one. Because he is a long lost. He's, a, he's actually a king. Yeah. And he, he can't. Yeah. yeah, he just. And you thought you were the only one that got that email. Yeah, dang it. Yeah, dang. <laughs> so that's probably not a good way to do it. Let me give you a couple of ideas. First of all, we've got some some interns. Now, someone on your program earlier on said something negative, I think, about interns, and we'll talk to them about that later because <laughs> I actually utilize interns a lot. No, I love that too because they have to learn it. They have to apprentice. You have to learn some way. It's the greatest. And I, a lot of people say, I'll give you countless hundreds of places in society that we do things for less than what we would charge somebody to do it. Oh, yeah. I do it at BYU. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm an adjunct professor. Need I say anything right. more? Yeah. You just don't make hardly any of them right. hardly enough to pay your gas down and back. Right. And But I love doing it, and I love what it does to me. There's so many other things that come from it. And we truly like to recognize and tell students everywhere that today, in order to progress, it's not just getting an education to get good grades. It's putting what I call fingerprints on your resume, mm-hmm. something that really That's shows that you stood out and you did something that was of significance. And I think that one of the best ways of doing that is being involved in really creative and insightful opportunities to engage in internship opportunities. So yeah. just I'm kind of one of the enthusiasts for no, that. I, I just totally. had to throw that in well, just because I believe here we my, are. Every job I've ever had, I did for free. Yeah. So at first. So if you want to make money, be willing to do it for free. And don't just be willing to do it for free for a while, be willing to do it for free till you get it right, till yeah. you get the skills. Yeah. You may not get that job or you may not get but a paycheck, but you walk away with the tools, the skills. Now, let me tell you this. We have at least two interns working full-time this summer doing nothing but updating that website so that there will be a financial, uh, an accelerated debt reduction tool oh, there, on there that we believe literally – we, we did four pages single-spaced of all the objectives we wanted to accomplish and what they created. So we believe that it will absolutely be extraordinary. It should be up by August. How great. Okay. But in the meantime, yeah. I'll just tell you this. You can go to PowerPay.org. PowerPay.org. PowerPay.org is sponsored by the Utah State University by the Division of Continuing Education. It's yeah. completely free. It's completely anonymous. So you don't have to type in your name. You don't have to type in a phone number so that someone can contact you with some great way to get out of debt. 
And literally what you do there is you just go and you type in exactly what the, the payment is, what your minimum payment is. You type in what the interest rate is. You type in what the amount is that you owed and what the name of the creditor is. And then it will sort through and it will ask you, would you like to pay any more toward it? I have to encourage people to make for absolutely certain that they're willing to pay an, an extra $10 a month or 15 or pay 25 more whatever. more than the minimum yeah. payment. And that doesn't mean you have to – I have people call me all the time and say, I'm going to take all the money out of my 401k and pay off all my debts. And I say, oh, no, 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 no. Let's talk yeah. about that a little Slow bit. Slow down there. You don't fella. have to do things financially in big chunks. Right. Actually, the guy that gets the better benefit, when it's all paid off, you're not only paid out of debt, but you learn an extraordinary behavioral tool. Yeah, because it, it changes you, doesn't it? It does. Over time. Can I just tell you it changes you? I – once you've paid off all those debts and somebody comes along with some super califragilistic yeah, love opportunity this. that's just going to make It's a you, juice that changes yeah. everything. And you look and say, wait a minute, am I willing to go back into debt in order to do that? Oh. It changes you dramatically. And so It's no, a clarifier. So it you, really keeps – no, I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. Gives you some clarity. Ooh, cool. It helps you to do it. So, you go there, you type them all in, and what it does is it types out for you what I refer to as a debt reduction calendar. Yeah. Now, I like the debt reduction calendar. I took mine to my wife back in 1991. Yeah. We didn't have computers there. We didn't have the internet anyway. So I had to do it with an HP 12C calculator. <laughs> and we just, I, I, I showed it to her. She said, but isn't that long? You know, and I showed it about, about six years to be completely out of debt. And she said, well, isn't that line for the mortgage a little long? And I said, well, it would be, it would, if we didn't do it this way, the line would go down the hall and into the bathroom. And she said, okay, I think I get the point. And so <laughs> we started off on it. And I thought it not obsessive at all to put the calendar on my bedroom wall so that every morning when I woke up, I could figure out some new creative yeah. way to somehow make it. Well, I mean, them. a lot of people would put, you know, a picture of their God. Well, but you... Okay, now don't put it that way. That might... <laughs> Just you kidding. know, so it's even... No, but really, it's a, a picture great... of deity or a picture you of my death. You can put deity and <laughs> your death. Yeah, I... I yeah, Choose your maker. Is, is it okay if I put both up <laughs> there to it. make sure that that's there's great. complete perspective? But it really does. I mean, that's going to put it in your face every <sighs> day of your life. My wife and I had a little agreement. She got to send in the payments as long as I got the color in the boxes. Really? You laugh all you want And you, you both got to. the catharsis of There's extraordinary motivation. Oh, that's huge. Extraordinary motivation in coloring in a box. Yeah. I'll show you the yeah. difference and I'll show you the motivation I of studies. Well, there are. Show you yeah, because it does walk create epinephrine, can, a big push of yeah, adrenaline and dopamine. Yeah, something like that. Illegal drugs, whatever yeah. it needs. This and is that's another one. way you could help finance the thing is maybe yeah. to sell some of You I'm might kidding. need to sell drugs in order to get your <laughs> stuff paid off. But you just set that on the wall. Not only does it show where you're headed, it shows where you've been. And I'll tell you this, after six months and that thing starts to liven up, it starts to get a little more colorful and you wake up every morning and you know that you're accomplishing something of significance. When that thing finally paid off, it was one of the greatest days. It was just well, so joyful. Then all of a sudden, I can imagine, okay, you've got this thing, you're paying off at the scheduled amount, you're paying so much every month. Then you get your, um, you get your tax return and instead of just kind of, hey, let's go on a trip. You're like you. You realize, hey, I, if I can just pay the tax return, oh. and two more months, we're done. Yeah. I mean, what a motivation! Because you're you all. Every once in a while, you get like that free little boost of money that yeah. comes from something. Yeah. Oh. See, we used to have seven boys. Yeah. We sold off a couple of them. To Did pay you off sell our them? Yeah, because we thought, what does the, the boy difference? cost now? Can you imagine what it costs for all the food that <laughs> yeah, they have to I have go five through? Boys. Yeah, but I've we've taught five. them to Do eat really, really light. Five? I have a girl and five boys. I've got five boys, and so I. But you know, like I say, it's just a small sacrifice yeah. to have a couple of them spend their time. <laughs> You're down to five. Now. I'm kidding, obviously. You started but at seven. The goal is to recognize that you really do, and I'll guarantee you, when you do have something else come up, it really does create an extra incentive. So you know, we could do that, but if we if we did put that towards our accelerated debt reduction, what would it do? Now, my wife came to me more than once during yeah. that time. 
And here's an example of what she did. She came to me one time. She said, Scott, I found out if we, if we restructured our automobile insurance, we could save $30 a month. And she said, but I'll only do it. I'll do all the work. I'll do all the paperwork, everything. If you'll promise me one thing, what did I have to promise her? It now, goes some to the guess, debt. Yeah, that's right. She made me. Well, some would say, can you imagine it, telling me that I had to put that towards my debt? She's become converted. Another time she came to me and says, you know that silver that's sitting underneath the bed that my mother gave us for our wedding? I don't, we've never used it. Why don't we just sell that? We'll put that towards the debt. Oh, now, my You heavens. knowing who I am, yeah, we yeah. assume that we sold that. Yeah. I'm not that dumb. Because that's That silver still that's sitting family. under the bed. But I saw. But I mean, to think that somehow you pawned it though. Now imagine anybody that's married. (laughs) You don't know how many things I pawned. But (laughs) if you, if if everyone listening could only sit for themselves and just imagine, close your eyes and imagine sitting there one time with the spouse and having that kind of a conversation. That's huge. And said, "That's the way we teamed up, and that's why she just became such an integral part of the process." And I I tell you, that's well, and she's an angel because that's getting on the same page. She could have fought you. But in the end, she's the she's the beneficiary. She's the one that's she's now not only just gained debt free status. She's gained this character of knowing how to kind of delay her gratification, yeah. not needing everything, Drink. slow and steady. And you had the chance to either sell the silver set or keep the silver set, and yeah. you showed integrity. Well, I don't know if you call it integrity. It might be just whatever it is. Well, but I'll it's your rainy say, day fund. <laughs> I'll tell you, there was a great, there was a leader of the church, Elder Hales, who said this. He said the three most loving words in the world are, I love you. He said the three most caring words you'll, the four most caring words you'll ever say are what? What do you think it is? Most caring? Most caring words you'll ever say. I we f- We can't afford that. Oh, that's cool. I was going to say, I forgive you. And it, <laughs> but, but we can't afford <laughs> that. that, that <laughs> we can't afford that. Yeah, I, that's powerful, I, though. I know that that on its surface, you think that might be a little trite, but think about that deeply and recognize two people looking at each other and making a decision that actually the greater joy often comes as we live the simpler life and yeah. periodically tell ourselves no, even though we have yeah. the resources yeah. for it, we tell ourselves no and use it in a, in a smarter way. It's that – that's discipline. Yeah, I hope. Well, and we don't – I hope it's happiness too. Well, I, I think it is happiness because you're not, you're not beholden to anything. Yeah. Then you're free to do whatever you want, which if life throws you a curve and you can't work or if you could keep working but you just want to go serve yeah. or if you want to be able to help your kids or a family do something. I mean service. You can't serve if you have another master. The or MasterCard. The cool, or MasterCard. That's you very can't good. two MasterCards. That's, that's right. My wife's right. I still say the whole thing comes down to choice. Totally. And if you can start off with a list of the things that you choose, something that really is compelling that you could do if you had that kind of freedom, there's a far greater probability that you'll actually accomplish your objective. What if you're in a hole and you're upside down and it's filling with water yeah. financially? Where do we start? So we we know we have to make choice, and we know we have to get on the same page. Is there somewhere we begin that's just obvious? First of all, I have to know how deep the hole is. But let's just assume that it's a normal – I mean it's just kind of a normal situation. Where would I start? I literally start with the relationship because we find that more problems are caused. Gordon B. Hinckley once said that in all of his years – this is just before he died. He said, in all of my years of counseling and providing advice, we found that money – causes more problems oh, in marriage yeah. than all other problems combined. I believe it. 
Now, I don't know that I love to just kind yeah. of, I don't want to parse words. I don't want to be right. too. But I mean, just imagine somebody with that kind of experience, that, yeah. that kind of But it's integrity. also power because it's about power. It's about priority. It's about agency. There's so many things around that money. Yeah. I, today, this morning, I had a couple, two very wealthy people, independently now wealthy. They have enough money. They don't have to work. But they don't have the same accounts, yeah. and they they're and and now she's actually pulled back from working so much so that she can just take care of her family. Yeah. And yet, anyway, it's just become punitive almost. That's a unique situation. The millionaire next door will tell you that most of the people that actually become very successful at accumulating resources are ones that don't have two income households. Yeah, is it? Is they that actually right? don't have two. In- now, and that's not to say that somebody shouldn't no. have a two income household. I'm just saying. So you started off by saying, is debt necessary in order to make this happen? Is a two-income household necessary to make this happen? Just go read the book, and if you'll find out that literally somebody found out that it was okay to actually divide up some responsibilities, and one person became what we might want to refer to as the primary breadwinner, and another person filled in some of the the other responsibilities of life, and and they made it work. Well, it seems like that also forces the hand of discipline in a way because – you're choosing to have half the income. Yeah. So you almost have to have twice as much attention being paid. Yeah. It seems like if you double your income, you might easily pay less attention. You know what I mean? If you're not careful. And there's literally no such thing as enough. No, I mean that's the problem. It doesn't huh? matter. So if I make a fifty a spender. And I fifty, I send my wife to work, she's making fifty. Literally is it gonna we found this that in the most perverse possible way, as we gain greater prosperity, the percentage of debt relative to our income expands. Mm. Now think about that. Yeah. We don't just take out more debt. We literally allow ourselves to uh, to make more of our income be paid out towards debts. Yeah. So it's debt pr- prosperity is very inefficient. It's, it, it's very, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, we do, we do, actually during times of prosperity <laughs> we should be paying off debts. No, totally. So that during bad times, whatever, but we've just completely lost that perspective. It's almost like we don't. We're I guess we're filling a we're filling a hole. Yeah. We think the money, we think the resources, the assets, we're so consumer-driven. Yeah. We think that that's living. Yeah. But the funny thing is those aren't people that have ever been debt-free. Yeah. And the debt-free person is probably the only one living. I'll tell you that the millionaire next door gave a great quote as it relates to relationships and marriage relationships yeah. and how we do it with our spouses. And they just said this. 97% of the people that they interviewed that were millionaires, they identified as, as male. I, I, that's just yeah. the way it worked well, in that, that case. The and so then, yeah. They said that that was, the, that that was the way it worked. And they said 85% of those individuals said the most important single thing that led towards them being as successful as they were is that they married the right person. Oh. And the majority of those that. people said that their definition, they were prompted to say that because they said that our, my wife is more conservative with money than I am. Oh, yeah. I make the money. I give it to her. She yeah. won't give me anything back. I know. And unless there's a coupon, my wife's not playing. Just come on. I just, <laughs> I'm just telling you that's – it kind of gives us all the opportunity to take a big step up in how we relate to each other. Do this, Scott. So go to scottmarsh.com or powerpay.org, which was the site he was talking about where you could enter in and, and create a plan for a payment reduction. Um, but Scott, give us the one thing. We have about one minute. What's the one thing that makes th- all the difference? So if you, had, if you could choose one thing that everyone out there right now could go do to start having a big impact on their debt. I, when, I, when you say on your debt, now you kind of change when you, when you said it on that one. That, that, I, I, or I guess I would, on financial independence. I will tell you this. Financial independence, the one thing I do more than anything is I'd start to try to figure out some way to save 10%. Of, I, I always tell my students, if save I get 10%. all of them to do one thing, and that is 
if they touch a dollar the rest of their life, for whatever reason they touch the dollar, they take 10 cents of it and they put it away. I've always liked the 401k because it's a great behavioral tool yeah. to, to put it there. That's the greatest thing that they could possibly do. It doesn't matter really what you're spending, what you're not spending. It's mattering what you're saving and investing. And that's yeah. so critical. When it comes to debts, if I could pick the one thing I'd figure out is how can I make it so that my spouse or my partner agrees with me to the greatest extent possible and then get some kind of something that you can put on the wall so yeah. you can visually see. But make sure – and I see I gave three things. You said one that's thing, right. but that's why you want me it's to count called, your it's money. It's encroachment. I, that's right, encroachment. Is that what it's called? It's that's expansion. make sure that you know what you do when you're completely out of debt. So kind of maybe uh, over vision. the top of that debt reduction chart you put down – I want to write a book. I want to serve a mission. I want to change the world. There's something that if you've got that up there, there's a far greater chance that you'll do something about it. Sweet. Scott Marsh. Go check out the website there, scottmarsh.com. Oh, yeah, scottmarsh.com. Really, it it is profound. I just have been penciling through it, looking through it, and it is amazing what uh, we can all do if we put our minds to it. Don't let debt get you. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio. Imagine a city skyscraper that also filters pollution out of the air, turning it into biofuel. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. If you live in any big city, you occasionally see smog darken the sky. Two student architects in Chicago recently entered a design contest with a novel new building that actively cleans the air around it. The Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitats runs an annual design competition, and students from the Illinois Institute of Technology presented the Congress Gateway Project. Congress is a major downtown Chicago highway interchange with at least 18 converging on-ramps, off-ramps, and driving lanes. Over 77,000 cars go through it every day as they head into the loop or out to the suburbs. Two proposed towers would straddle the parkway with a bridge connecting them about halfway up their 50-odd floors. The towers also lean at an angle to the sun to improve their solar gain for the algae as well as improve views from neighboring skyscrapers. These towers were designed to funnel that car exhaust past external racks of algae, which would take the excess carbon dioxide and convert it into a biofuel for powering emissions-neutral automobiles, or even powering the building's own systems. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we have been talking about debt. Oh, it just gets you, doesn't it? And I think the key is you got to change your paradigm. you got to change the way you think about it, like Scott was talking about. Um, go get that book, The Millionaire Next Door, not just to pitch a book, but honestly, that's a paradigm shift. When you realize the, the average wealthy person is not what you're seeing on television. Now let's go to <laughs> Colonel Rob Sanders and... Um, which is your new nickname, Colonel? The that, most flavorful segment? That was Mark Waits. So what's our segment right now? The Internet Asks and Matt Answers. Yes. And we're talking Millionaire Next Door. Well, what if you have within a relationship of a couple, husband acts kind of like the millionaire next door, very yeah. prudent, saver. Wife, on the other hand, 
spends a lot of money. Story example here yeah. is a couple who the wife came for money and he didn't. He describes himself as a guy who bought a TV that cost him $40 <laughs> 15 years ago. Still uses it. Yeah, his computer cost him $300 and he's had it for nine years. Wow. Just that kind of guy. So he That's great. got done with his engineering degree and he makes low six figures mm-hmm. and is doing quite well. Pays for all the expenses for this couple. Wife, on the other hand, racked up $100,000 in student debt uh, studying, I believe it's like art history or something. Likes to go shopping. She got a job. Not that they needed the money. He, right. he covered all the expenses. But she picked up a job so she'd have a little spending cash. Well, after a while, she says, eh, I don't really like working. It's not my thing. So she quits. Mm. And so now this couple had to, to keep some harmony and just separate finances. Yeah. He said, you could spend whatever money you make on whatever, and then I'll cover all our expenses and save. And now that she doesn't have a job, she wants to combine all the accounts together. Just be that pals again. And seeing how she spends money, the husband says, no, we're not going to do that. Not going to trust you. So she wasn't too happy about that. No. So she went and racked up yeah, seven grand on a credit oh. card. He thinks that's a little out of line, but he doesn't know what to do about it. <sighs> Good question. Um, huge. And you've already heard Scott Marsh say, we got to get on the same page. This is obviously a couple that's not on the same page. And when we're not on the same page... Uh, I guess you have a few choices. One is um, keep living in delusion that she's going to actually get it or that or the delusion that she probably feels, which is that he's just a tightwad and is controlling. But the reality of it is most people I know have no clue or skills how to do this. And so one thing they might want to do is um, you're going to usually when everything else breaks down in your marriage, you're usually going to bring in a third party. Meaning it's either going to be usually a cop because we're fighting or you're going to bring in an attorney because we're divorcing or you might want to bring in a financial planning expert. So it's not – so the message is no longer coming from you. It's coming from another expert. I mean the reason I bring this up is sometimes I found that people come and talk to me and I can say things to them that their spouse has been saying to them for years – but it has no credibility because it's not coming from an outsider. So one thing I guess I would suggest in this scenario is I would go build a plan with a financial expert. Like I would go to a guy like a Scott Marsh or like a financial planner that will sit down and say, this is what's going on. Here's what's happening. And let that person do the beat down. Now, be, by the way, with that, um, there's some cool stuff you can do. You can have credit cards that can be turned down or can be watched. You can have other stuff. Now, here's the problem. If you're not careful with how you push, she's going to go underground with this stuff and start having underground expenditures. I've had couples come into divorce and um, the, the woman had been hiding or the man, for that matter, had also been hiding debt. But then in a divorce, it all got pulled out and started saying, yeah, well, sorry, I had to hide because you were so controlling about the money. So I guess in the end, I'd bring in a third party if you can't influence her anymore. I also might just bring in, if you can't afford to just go to a third party, I'd bring in some um, leader from your church or your congregation that you're attending. I might bring in an expert, maybe even her father. It sounds like she came from a wealthier family. Maybe if dad could hear what's actually going on, the, her dad probably knows 
about finances and knows about how much you can actually spend and can't spend. Um, in the end, if you can't communicate, and this is really to all of us out there, the reason why money becomes such an issue is because we don't know how to talk about it. So what I loved about what Scott kept bringing up is there's so much to gain when we could get on the same page. So what maybe we should talk about, instead of dividing us right now with what we don't agree on about our budget, maybe let's go make a plan with what, something we do agree on. For example, this husband could ask his wife, look, let's get ahead and let's agree on one thing and let's agree on a trip. Let's agree on whatever. And let's just see if we can't get together and use our ability to communicate about something that's a mutually shared goal. I think if they could have some success there, they're probably going to have some other success. It also, bring in some outside help. The reason uh, like a three-legged stool is more stable is that third leg helps a lot. And sometimes when you go to an expert that knows what they're doing, that can help. That doesn't always mean, by the way, the expert has to be someone you pay. It could be just going online, like we just talked about with Scott, and um, you know, to uh, ProPay. What was it called? Oh, PowerPay.org, which was a great website. Or go on Scott's site, ScottMarsh.com, and see if you can't uh, get some more tools there. But don't give up. And uh, remember, in the end, it's it's about the relationship. What we love, what we don't love, what we struggle with is always going to be about what happens between us, our ability to communicate, our ability to trust, to understand, to get along. That's why we have these things. The test itself about money isn't the real issue. The real issue will always be how the relationship can handle the test of time. Thanks for joining us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're here Monday through Friday. Would love to, to do some more tomorrow right here at the same time on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.